General Baptist Ministries has been called by God to exist for the church. We aren't here so General Baptist can help us do ministry. We're here to help the church do ministry and to fulfill its commission by God to make disciples of all nations, preaching the good news to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We partner with churches because we believe that we can do more together than any one person or church can do alone. I'm Danny Donovan, President of General Baptist Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Doing Together. Doing Together is about sharing the ways that General Baptists partner together so that your church can fulfill its calling. Developing leaders is one of the foundational things that General Baptist Ministries does. We understand that healthy churches are led by healthy leaders, and healthy churches develop healthy leaders. Because we understand that we exist at General Baptist Ministries for the church, then our role is to come alongside churches to help them with those tasks. That's why in 2022, we launched a new ministry called the Church Leadership Network, or CLN. You've probably seen a few of our initial offerings in that project, and we are excited to share with you about the plans for expanding in that work. Carl Nichols is the lead pastor of Relevant Church in Locust Grove, Georgia, and Carl works with General Baptist Ministries to help us build our systems for leadership development, specifically focused at present on CLN. In this episode of Doing Together, Carl joins me for a conversation about leadership development and where we are going as we focus on leadership development here at General Baptist Ministries. Well, Carl, welcome to Doing Together. Thanks, Danny, for having me. So um, why don't you uh, just start off by just sharing a little bit of what's going on with you, what's going on at uh, Relevant Church right now? Well, I think uh, a lot of, like everybody else, we've kind of settled into the new normal. And I, I love hearing stories from other pastors across the country and things that they're doing and things they're learning. But for us, um, you know, we're well into 2023 now, and we have learned a lot this year. Um, we had come out of 2021, 2022, new building and trying to figure out the new normals with new parking and new, new facilities and new parking lots and new entrances. And now it feels like we're finally getting into a good rhythm. We've seen incredible growth. We're up over 30% year over year. In the last three and a half months, we've had almost 300 baptisms uh, at the time of this recording. And so, man, some really cool things happening there. Uh, just hired a brand new worship leader, went through some transition with staff, healthy transition that was good for us. But nonetheless, like everybody else, it's um, it's been a whirlwind the last several years and We've learned a lot, and we're really excited about the things that are coming up in the coming weeks. Yeah, cool. So, um, any um, anything particular, you know, new going on in your family? I mean, you guys, you guys uh, got any? You got young young boys, so that all that yeah. going fine, I assume. Yeah, my oldest just turned sixteen, and uh, so driving now. All kinds of things happening there. Mom's a little nervous. You know, we live in a pretty high, our area has a lot of traffic, a lot of interstate travel. And so that makes mama nervous and my, my 11 year olds in a new kind of a new normal trying to figure out, you know, why his brother's gone and dad's not gone and he's not gone with brother. And so that's kind of different. It's, it's, it's unique. It's weird. Um, you know, my, my boys have, we've guarded them, um, kind of sheltered them a lot of ways. We've homeschooled them and, uh, my oldest is in college now and, you know, dual enroll, there's all kinds of things happening. And so it's, it's definitely a new season for Julie now. That's cool. I'm going to say something kind of unrelated for a second. So uh, we're going to talk about leadership development today, but you also, this this uh, spring have been enabled, early in this winter, 
been engaged with some things in Honduras and on the mission field. Do you want to share anything about that experience? Yeah. So in 2000, you know, historically, General Baptist has done a lot of incredible work on the mission field. And so when we started Relevant Church in 2010, we made the decision, once we decide to partner with an area of the world, we're going to pour all of our resources, our missions dollars into that area of the world. So uh, we have a real heartbeat for orphan care and those that are uh, lonely, overwhelmed, vulnerable, empty. We spell that L-O-V-E. And so Honduras just struck a nerve in my heart around 2018, and we jumped on board and started going down there and sent teams down there and made a heavy investment. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and we had to cancel some trips. So we relaunched our first trip back to Honduras last year. And um, some of the vaccination status and everything caused us to take a smaller team than normal. Some people weren't vaccinated and, uh, and all those various things. And so we took a team and man, what an incredible experience. Julie, my wife got to go on that trip. And now, uh, since that trip, we're taking two more this year. We have purchased a, a medical unit, a mobile medical unit for Honduras. Uh, it was unbelievable to see all the opportunity for medical care that cannot be provided just because of getting access to the villages. So a family who went on that trip decided they were going to buy a $50,000 mobile medical unit. We talked to Teresa and Rodney, and they told us very specifically that would be one of the greatest things they could do. And so just about a month ago, that went live in their community, and they're hitting new villages there. And Julie and I got to go down there recently and uh, teach at the pastor's conference. And we got two trips going back this year. My oldest is going to go with Julie. So it's it's fun. It's fun to see the fruit of our labor down there. Um, we're not just taking trips, but investing in that part of the world. Yeah, it's exciting stuff that's going on in Honduras and other mission fields around the world. I yeah. know that you guys have really plugged in there and been passionate about that. So it's really yes, cool sir. stuff. So tell me about something that you're learning about right now. Well, you know, we talked about this a little bit beforehand and I came across, I was reading a book. The last two books that I've read are Mama Bear's Guide to Apologetics and just kind of talking about the theology that our kids are being brainwashed with in the postmodern era. And in that book, I read uh, just a quick snippet about uh, linguistic theft and how culture has hijacked words Basically, to hijack a word that we all agree with, a word like love, for example, everybody says, well, yeah, you should love everybody and hate what is evil. And then behind that term, they put an agenda and everybody buys into that that particular word. But then if you disagree with the agenda, you you all of a sudden are, are at this crossroads. Do I agree with what they're saying or do I not agree? And the problem is when you disagree with the agenda, culture says, well, you must not love or you must not agree with the, the positive moral word that's out front. And so now we can't even disagree anymore. Um, and now if you disagree, you're known as a hater or intolerant or a bigot. Um, and so we have just hijacked words. So that led me to the second book about Mama's Bear's Guide to uh, Sexuality. And if you want your mind blown, that's a good one. And so I'm teaching on that uh, in a series right now and uh, just downloaded the National uh, Sexual Education Standards and just absolutely blown away of what you're teaching your second graders, your fifth graders, and about gender and identity. So it's just a deep dive for me. It's a little off the leadership conversation, but I just believe words create worlds. And that's why we live in the world we live in, which is a leadership conversation. How do we, how do we reframe language and, and what language matters in our churches and how do we teach kids? I mean, all that stuff is important when it comes to communication and leadership. So uh, diving in like to our um, the main topic for today about leadership. Um, a little over a year ago, 
you and I have started having this conversation about you coming on board to help us as we were looking at the need for leadership development. So General Baptist Ministries, we talk about that we really only do three things here. And uh, those three things are, are something we've already talked about. Missions is a big part of that. We do, we do engagement or in our partnership with churches. And the third thing we're going to talk about here is leadership development. Those are our three things that we do. And, and I say it like this sometimes that really, if we do other stuff, it's, it becomes a distraction to those three core issues. Those are the things that we do here. So um, we started looking at leadership development and uh, thinking about how could we do this? Um, so kind of share with us a little bit about leadership development. That why I came to you because you're passionate about it. So share about why you're passionate about leadership development. Well, I think first of all, I, I would encourage you with this. This is seeing the handwriting on the wall about the need for leaders and understanding not only the need for leaders, but a developmental system for people who say, I'm called to ministry or I want to take my next step. Uh, as you know, I've been in the GB now for 13 years and one of the biggest struggles we've had when it comes to church planting was we could develop any kind of system or any kind of financial support, but we couldn't find church planters. And I think that's true of missionaries and various things. And, and the real reason is, is because of leadership. And so I don't think it took you long to realize when you came into the seat you sit in now as president that we have a crisis on our hands. Yeah. And um, I remember sitting in meetings and saying, why don't we have church planters? Why don't we have missionaries? And why don't we have this? Well, it's because we don't have leaders. That's right. It doesn't mean that the people in our movement are are bad. I think we all can grow in our leadership no matter where we're at. I pay people currently to teach me things that I don't know because I don't know that I don't know them. But what's happening with the next generation of leaders? What's happening with young leaders who haven't been exposed to you know various levels or maybe types of leadership that uh, or church world that work in their community? And so yeah. you saw that handwriting on the wall. And I've always been, I think for me, I want to be the best partner in the GB that we can and I've always known that my voice is probably more important than my money. And my, my, my voice is probably more important than, you know, any kind of office or any kind of, you know, I don't know, title. And so I think leadership development is really the core of who I am. Uh, I'm passionate about uh, people finding their purpose and living out their purpose. And I think if you're going to do that at the highest level, you're going to have to learn to lead other people because you'll never achieve all that God has for you by yourself. Yeah. So I think that's really what it comes down to. I really do feel like I heard a, a mentor of mine say, when you pay me to coach you, you're not paying me uh, for the hour. You're paying me for the 20 years of experience that I, I learned to download this to you in an hour. And so I thought, wow, that's what I feel like I've been doing all my life is just learning and learning and learning and growing and growing and growing and not settling for something I hear or something I read. And now how can I best benefit our movement, our denomination um, with, with what little, I mean, there's still so much more for me to learn, but what I have learned maybe in the last 15, 20 years. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I talk, talk all the time about that. I think the biggest crisis facing the church in America today is a is a crisis of calling and leadership. Mm -hmm. um, we're we're being you know in in terms of even our strategy going forward, going to be laser focused or, around calling to ministry and helping churches to to re engage with that question about calling to ministry and and ultimately yeah. about leadership development. I mean, I've spent my whole career uh, essentially in the university context, because I believe that developing leaders for the future is how I can best make an impact on the church both today and tomorrow. That's good. And so um, I, I know whenever we started talking about this, I, I could indeed see the handwriting on the wall. It was very 
clear to me as I walked in the door that that was the biggest thing. And then more and more that we've we've engaged with churches, the more connected we've gotten as we have tried to reach out to churches and I've visited churches. The the thing you see over and over again is this, you know, there's an a lack of number of leaders. We don't have enough pastors. Sometimes we are we're reaching a point where we have more than 10% of our churches at any given time are without a pastor. And many of them are, are without a pastor for years at a time. Uh, many of them strong churches that are without a pastor for a long period of time. Uh, I know churches that have, have either closed or on the brink of closing that they have money. They have, even they have a group of people, a, a, a critical mass of people, but they don't have a leader. And so wow. they kind of give up on it. Um, because leadership without it, as Jesus talked about, and people are like harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, right? So leaders and leadership development is an essential thing we've got to focus on for the future. And that's not just a, a, a thing that, it's not just a thing that we, we can't rely on other systems to help us do that. It's not the responsibility yeah. of a university. It's not the responsibility of any other organization besides our churches to draw up leaders within their congregations. And so our work here, because we're for the church, we come alongside them in, in churches and try to help them in that process. And so we're doing everything we can to do that. That's why we, we started talking about this ultimately. Um, I've, I've seen so much data out there on how important it is that if we get our ducks in a row here and put in terms of the denominational structures with the way we're, the systems we're able to put in place, that there is always a direct correlation to the health in numbers of leaders and the, even the age of leaders as we, uh, as, as we do our work the best we can. So I can't call people. Uh, that's God's job. Uh, but he has called me to, to do his work, and that's uh, he's called all of us to do that work. And so we're trying to take our responsibility in that seriously. And that's, so, that's part of the reason why I, I came to you and said, hey, this is something we really need to do, or I know you're passionate about it. So will you come alongside us and let's, let's build something out. And um, yep. so well, I remember going to summit in various times and seeing people that I'd never saw. I'd see them singing or on stage or in situations like where, where'd that 24 year old go? Well, they're in another denomination. And I'm like, well, why? Cause we didn't, we didn't have an on-ramp. And so I'm like, that person could have been a worship leader in one of our church plants, or that person could have been, you know, whatever, a student pastor somewhere. And they found an avenue an easier road. And I don't mean easier in the sense of not doing hard things, but a clearer path yeah. forward. And so that was always maddening to me. And so this is a non, uh, this is, this is a very easy decision for me to say, yeah, I, I want to help in any way I can. Yeah. So let, let's talk about CLN or church leadership network. So uh, talk about how, how is it the church leadership network or we'll call we'll keep calling it CLN. So I should just tell everyone, we'll just say CLN from here on out probably. Yeah. I know I get annoyed when people use alphabet soup, but that's that's the way we refer to it around here even. So why, you know, tell about why CLN is part of our answer to this question. Yeah. So I think when you came to me, you said you want to help build a leadership development strategy for the entire movement. And this one component of that is, is CLN, because I do think it's important that we don't just throw a bunch of events or programs out there, but there's a clear path forward doesn't mean it's the only way to grow in leadership in our movement. We have uh, healthy church systems. We have regional events. We have other things we've talked about where there's going to be growth opportunities. But what is a clear path forward that every component of our denomination can lean into and say, 
okay, I can go to CLN and we can grab resources, teachings, trainings, conversations, networking to grow and infiltrate my area, my community, my region, my church, whatever that looks like. Additionally, I think um, as we've brainstormed behind the scenes, just talking about we want something long term that is sustainable enough that other people look to. Yeah. So that other leaders who are saying, I feel called, but I don't know where to go. We have something to show them and say, listen, come on, come be a part of this. Come serve alongside, come learn, grow, plant a church, be a missionary, be a pastor of one of our churches. And so this is not just the bill. Uh, I think sometimes you can look at CLN and people say, well, what is that? And it looks like a bunch of events on a calendar. That's because we spent the first year exploring things and learning things. I know when you came to me, you said this is a three-year process um, and we're going to focus on really getting an understanding of where we're at. We spent almost a year doing that. We've been working the last two months on some things we're really excited to unveil here in the coming months. But uh, And I'll talk about it probably here in a few moments. But just uh, networking with our churches at whatever level they need and whatever time they have to invest in themselves because we have bivocational pastors, full-time pastors. Uh, we have young adults and students coming in from student ministry to internship opportunities. So just to invest at whatever level. And if everybody can take a step forward in leadership, the whole movement takes a step forward. Yeah. And there'll be some that have more time and energy to invest. It could take four or five steps forward. And so at the end of the day, we got to build that infrastructure and build out those competencies because I think you know this from education uh, that you can know things about stuff, but we want practices and competencies that work on the field in ministry specifically. Right. And so things like system development, things like discipleship conversations, handling conflict, return on time investment, just all of those things. That's just a snapshot of about 30 competencies we put out there. Um, so it is a, a full infrastructure, and I'm excited because we're going to be unveiling a couple of those levels in, 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 I think, much clearer ways in the coming months. Yeah. So go ahead and give us a little bit of a taste of what what, what is it we're working on right now. I'm, we've Even today, we're shooting this like over a month before it's going to be dropped. We've been yeah. in conversation all morning, probably driving some of our staff crazy with how long we talk about this stuff. But uh, give it a little bit of a taste of where we are and where we're going with it. Well, it's funny because, you know, maybe inside scoop into the, into the conversation today and various conversations is everybody wants to know, well, what's this and what's next? And I'm like, we're learning. We don't know what we don't know. And so I think there are, there's this anticipation of what's coming and how's it going to benefit everyone. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. And then also clarifying um, a leadership team. And that's part of the infrastructure. That's my job to help develop. And uh, as we're talking about that, we have a, a a video conference next week to discuss that and implementing the first level. So here's really what we've narrowed it down to is talking about people's time and, and resource investment. We have bivocational pastors. We have people who work full time and can't travel. Maybe they're balling on a budget and they have to figure out how can I grow in my leadership? So we, we've taken a lot of what you've dreamed up and you've asked me to kind of put it into a, a one page snapshot document. And what that simply looks like is those people who have less time and less resources to invest, we still want to provide opportunities. Or maybe they want to get a test or a taste of CLN to say, it, it does this benefit me. So we're working on something called Leader Labs. These are like level one or 101 uh, components. These are going to be online videos that we're shooting with some of our leaders in our movement and having conversations much like you see on a podcast, um, talking about specific things like handling conflict or leading in crisis and those types of things. Because to be honest, we didn't know how to lead in crisis the last three years. Yeah. And so then we would send those out. People would sign up, get the video, and then log on to a conversation like a Zoom call or some kind of online platform 
to discuss what they're learning and then have follow-up conversations. So in this regard, somebody could put as little as two hours a month into a competency. And then that's, that's kind of, there's about a dozen of those that we're going to be unrolling here in the next year, unveiling. And then there's opportunities that you've seen already. There are these leadership one days. Uh, one we had back in November was a huge success in Poplar Bluff. I was blown away at the, at the feedback we got. Actually, over the last year, we've just been kind of dangling carrots and testing the waters. And we've had almost 90 people come through one of our events. And that's, that's just from sprinkling opportunities out there. And so these leader labs, I think, are going to put well over three, 100 people, 150 people a year through these leader labs. And then the one days are kind of the next step. So if you can travel a couple hours and get there at 9 o'clock on a Saturday or 9 o'clock on a Friday and stay till 4 p.m. and get home, you've invested one day, but you walk away with you're fed with a fire hose on, on that one day. So those are the two things we're really working on right now. Um, then there's level three and level four. So I talked about leader labs being level one, one days being level two. This is time and energy and, and also financial commitment. Level three is a little more uh, extensive. You'll take a three or four day retreat um, for marriage, for uh, just spiritual renewal, uh, leadership 101 for young leaders. We've even talked about that. So you take three days, two nights, four days, three nights, get away and really dig into some things. And in digging into those things, uh, you walk away with, you know, six months worth of things to put into practice in, in your leadership. You also uh, have time with groups in that season. And so those are level three components of that. Uh, and then level four or longer term things like cohorts, year long cohorts where you're with five to 10 pastors, some online, some in person, where you're really digging into like organizational structure, organizational leadership big picture culture development and the big picture systems to move people and not just talking about them, but working through the development conversation. And then in addition to that, there's two other things that you and I've been talking about. You're working really hard on the educational components. I'll let you speak to that in a minute and why that's so important in the process of ordination. But things like uh, Julie and I are leading a trip to Israel in February of next year. And I know at least one other pastor has already committed to going on that trip with us who have been to one of our CLN events. This is an educational leadership event. I mean, I would have loved to have had that opportunity. We were planning to go pre-COVID, but to go with people we know, not some random you know, group of people. And so that's exciting coming up in February. You can find more details uh, through all the General Baptist communication on that. But that's that's the big picture kind of track that I'm working on. And I know you're, you've been working a lot on the, the educational components. So maybe you want to speak to that. Yeah. So um, part of the, each of those different levels will end up having also some sets of courses that will be involved in terms of like biblical literacy, biblical theological foundations for ministry, um, basic theological reasoning, Christian traditions, those kinds of things, and giving giving st uh, opportunity for folks to kind of deepen a little bit in those areas. Maybe uh, if you've gone to um, to college or you've uh, even some folks that have gone to seminary, it also gives opportunity for some of the upper level stuff for them to be able to dive in even a little deeper in some of that. And uh, we'll be, be offering some of those kinds of courses and cohorts that would be, you know, much more like traditional educational kind of, of pieces. But also we've been thinking about uh, over the last few years, we've had a very successful uh, long-term program that used to be called Minister's Home Study Course. Now it's known as LAMP, Leaders in Advancing in Ministry Program. And that that program has been successful. It's been something that that a lot of our uh, 
associational presbyteries and ordaining councils and even churches have utilized for getting people prepared for ordination. And what we're going to be doing with uh, this this transition, uh, LAMP will, will be at some point be sunset, and we will be uh, implementing a, a subset of the this uh, CLN program that would be this the recommended process that someone would work through to be prepared for uh for ordination. Of course, we don't set ordination standards in uh, here in, in our offices. That's something that's still held in the hands of all of our local associations, presbyteries, ordaining councils, and sometimes local churches. But we can provide a product again that, and, a, and, a pro, and a process that says, this is what we recommend and we hope that folks will, will engage with that. It allows a lot more than just someone sitting at home reading stuff yeah. and doing that work, but it gives them a community of learners. We believe yeah. that that's why we're calling this church leadership network. We believe that that community, that network of learners is important for the process. And that I, I have a, I have a strong conviction that pastors and church leaders need other pastors and church leaders. Just yeah. like I believe churches need other churches in order for them to be able to fully fulfill their calling from God. So uh, yeah, that's excellent. I think that's the thing I was so excited about because I've sat in ordination meetings with other pastors where they wanted me to interview. And one of the biggest pitfalls, I think, um, is that it seemed like self-learning. Much of what we've done in the past is like, here's it. I mean, I remember being in high school, taking classes through Berean University, trying to get ahead. And it was sitting there digging into a book and I, I, about Old Testament. And I'm like, this at 17, 18 years old was miserable. Um, and so how could I have learned better in the group setting? And so that's what this is designed to do is, is, is at least put you in a network of people where you're not, you know, feeling like you're just sitting in a dark room by yourself trying to figure out how to get your ordination. Right. And you, you end up being able to, um, I, I, I went to school, right. I, I did the undergraduate program. I did a seminary degree. I have a PhD in theology, so I've done all of that stuff. But I would tell you over that over the course of my life and ministry that I, I learned, um, I learned as much or more, not just from the study that I did at home and the, even the conversations in the classroom, but it was from engaging with other people that were walking through that process at the same time. Some of the folks that I went to school with that I was able to bounce ideas off of and try ideas on and have them formed and reformed because we mm-hmm. through that process together it was really important. I was mm-hmm. very lucky to have some very smart folks that I was around and some very committed uh, Christian people that were able to, we were pouring into each other in a way that it's changed my life because of it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're moving, we're moving from, com- uh, from theory and knowledge to competency and practice. Yeah. And I think, you know, not nothing wrong with theory, nothing wrong with knowledge, but how do you actually take that and put it into practice? And so uh, obviously that's always done easier when we learn from one another, what's working, what's not, we're not just copying or just trying theories out and we can learn much faster and make more headway when we're together. Yeah, that's good. So uh, go, let's kind of walk through with CLN who, one of the questions I get asked sometimes is who is this for? Wow. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a great question. And I think part of it is the, the overarching answer is anybody who wants to take a step in leadership. What we have done historically in the last year in the learning curve is saying, who's interested what can we do to garner interest? What's going to gain us the most traction? What are we going to do to get the best return on time investment and return on investment financially? And so we've been in this exploratory conversation. And uh, so let's just kind of talk about the leader labs, the level one 
I think that that's been a, a big crux of why we have these bite-sized nuggets where you can spend two hours a month, but you can engage with other pastors and other leaders. I'll be leading some of those. Some of our other um, leaders in our, our movement will be leading some of those. But uh, you hear a conversation about something that's knowledge and theory based. Then you have, join a, not a classroom, but a conversation setting uh, online where you can ask questions, what's working, what's not, exchange information, and then, and then grow from that and then come back and do it all over again. So that's two hours a month, 10 or 12 times a year. So if, every, if, one, if a bivocational pastor can't, can't get away, that's three days of learning that they can get over the course of a year in the context of a network. So even to the lowest um, possible time um, availability, we have things that we're going to be rolling out. And then, obviously, we want to onboard new young adults, 18 to 20 years old, who are like, I feel this call to ministry. Wet their appetite with those things. Well, here, jump on this call with us and just kind of see opportunity. Well, then that leads them to, okay, I'm making friends. I feel like I have a support system. And then from there, if you have a day to give, a Friday to give, a Monday to give, a Saturday to give, and we have a one day in your local area, that's where you can take another step and be face-to-face, which I think is important in a lot of ways. And then, of course, whatever level of commitment you can give financially and, of course, of your time, because obviously if you do a re- retreat, it's three or $400 because you have to pay for you and or you and your spouse, and but you get time and you get invested in. And then a cohort is are those people who are maybe you're in a little bit larger church and 100, 200 or more, and you're like, hey, I've kind of hit a lid and I think it's systematic. I think it's uh, maybe organizational structure or culture. And I'm, I'm really into a deep dive of learning. And that's that's some pretty deep level of stuff. And I'm, I'm just telling you some of the greatest. I, I have a coach right now who came and visited our church. I paid him a decent amount of money. Um, and he came and visited our church and gave me, he told me he's going to give me 30 to 35 takeaways. Um, and he told me this, and I, I don't say this in a, in a way of bragging or anything, but it, it definitely made me, aware of, of some things we're doing right. He said, I'm going to give you 30 to 35 takeaways. If you do everything I say, you're crazy. He came in and he said, here's what I tell churches. He said, I tell churches, I'm going to take your A game and make it an A plus game. He said, but 90% of churches I go in don't have an A game. Hmm. And he told me, he said, you guys have an A game. He said, and I don't have much to offer. He gave me 13 takeaways. That's all he came up with. And some of them were as simple as, hey, you didn't have a sign out in your parking lot that needed to be there. And so I, even with those 13 takes, I'm walking through monthly an hour on the phone with him saying, walk me through. Let me tell you what I'm wrestling with, because I just think it's that valuable. And so this is a year long process that I paid him to walk me through uh, from staffing to one of the things he did is dug into our organizational structure and gave me some ideas based on the size of church and the budget we're in. That stuff is invaluable. And that's what we hope to do in the context of like a cohort long term for people. That's good. So uh, the the you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but bivocational pastors or co-vocational pastors that you know are out here, they're most of the time they're working a full time job, they're working with the church, and uh, those churches um, they don't have fewer demands on a pastor's time than a full time church often does. It's just mm-hmm. it's about the lid that they have in terms of their time. I mean, my own my dad was a you know, a bivocational pastor, his entire ministry. And so I, I mean, I love those bivocational guys that are pouring their hearts out with a local church and uh, doing it in, in that kind of a context. So why should one of these guys that's, in, you know, super busy, um, yeah. have, have difficult time making space, why should they engage with, with one of these pieces? 
So I think, I think the, the entry level point for anybody with a minimum amount of time to invest is going to be the leadership labs, the one-on-ones. And I'll just kind of give you a couple of topics and then we'll, we'll talk. I'm going to give you, I'll make you come to leadership lab to learn about them, but <laughs> some ideas that I think are, are vital to people who are in that seat. They're simple bite-sized pieces, but they're kind of aha moments. So we talk about everything from handling criticism to uh, leading in crisis to time management um, and what that looks like to uh, uh, prayer and what prayer looks like. And so uh, let me give you an example of something that I think a bivocational pastor could learn that we taught in our last leadership one day. There's When you go to invest in any kind of financial um, investment, if you have a, a stock, a mutual fund, an IRA, you ask yourself, what is my return on investment? So we have something that comes from a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. We talk about return on time investment. Well, bivocationals only have so much time. Pastors who are bivocational only have so much time. So how am I going to get the greatest return on the 15 hours I can put in or the 10 hours I can put in? And so we walk through a process of making the most use of that 10 hours. And we talk about really five things that you need to do um, from, you know, we talk about permission to eliminate. What are the things you need to eliminate? That's, that's just one of them. I'm not gonna give you all five. And then we get specifically into something that's an aha moment for so many. I say, you got to determine every leader does four things. Things are good at, bad at, great at, and uniquely gifted at. Let's start over. Bad at. You don't need to do anything you're bad at, especially if you got 10 hours a week. Good at. You don't need to do anything you're good at if you got 10 hours a week. If you got 40 hours a week, don't do anything you're good at. Then you have things you're great at and things you're, things you're uniquely gifted at. And, and the difference in those two is simply what drains you versus what inspires you. Because I'm great at financial stuff, but it drains me. And I don't want to talk to anybody after I'm done with it. But I can get up and preach a message or do a leadership development. And I'm like invigorated all day. I remember sitting with Travis Stevens and he told me, I get tired when I'm just around you. More talking <laughs> leadership. And so those are the things that like inspire me. So a bivocational leader has to determine their unique gifting and then understand that is the greatest gifting they have to their church. And that might look a lot different than what they're currently doing. And so we can teach that stuff and help people walk through that stuff very, very easily and help them just kind of communicate. Let's put those things in categories and develop a plan to make the most of your time. That's just one snapshot of something that's, you know, we can, we can do in, in one of those leadership labs or one day, various opportunities. That's great. Yeah. I want to add to Travis's quote, I think was, um, tired. You say a lot of words. He did say that. He did say that. Um, <laughs> but when I'm coming up there to do stuff, I'm coming to there to work. All right. I'm I mean, up, and so I think we, we're gonna, that was also at the end of a very long day we had spent together. Yeah. If we're talking about money the whole day, I'm not, I'm checked out by the end of the day. Yeah. But if we're talking about leadership, I'm still going when yeah. everybody else is done. Yeah. That's great. So, uh, so talk about some of the, what are some of the wins we've had up to this point? You said we've had like 90 folks gone through something. So what do you, in your mind, what are some of the wins we've seen? I think, I think probably, let me give you some big picture wins on an organizational level with, I don't want to say minimal effort because there's a lot of effort happening behind the scenes, but with minimal events, minimal marketing, minimal clarity, we've had almost 90, somewhere around 90 people attend one of our events. Um, and that's in individual people. I know there's been a few overlap. I would say a couple of wins have come out of, of the marriage retreat we did. Um, I have heard powerful stories of, of God just doing some cool things in people's marriage, next steps of counseling, um, better communication. 
I mean, there's just so many things I've heard from that. Additionally, um, I would say some of the connection that I've personally made with what many would call some of our younger leaders. I think God's bridging generational gaps there. And, uh, and I mean, one of our guys, he's not necessarily younger, he's closer to my age, but uh, one of those guys is already committed to going to Israel with us. So I just think the idea of network is starting to happen. And it just, it's just going to take people getting a taste of it, buying into it, and moving forward. I was excited in the, the Leadership 101 retreat we did in Louisville. We had no idea who was going to come until the last moment. People had so many questions because it was new, which is normal. If you ever launched anything new in your church, you know what I'm talking about. And so we had people talk about how they talked about temperament. We've done a lot of conversations around temperament and wiring, which is so vital to your leadership, so vital to your marriage, so vital to your anything in life. And people saying, all we did all the way home was talk about temperament. I've talked to my wife about temperament. I've talked to my leaders about temperament. I've talked to my, so that's what it means. If we get people talking about leadership, we can grow leaders. So I think those are, you know, you got the big picture wins of all the people attending, but then those just like individual stories, man. And people just hungry for more. That's been, I think, a big win. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch uh, some of our, especially like you're talking about some of our younger guys. And I know that some of them even have networked and been doing mm -hmm. together without any uh, official stuff going on. And that's exactly what we're, what we're talking about. It's uh, about developing that community of, of folks together. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what that's looking like in the future. So yep. a big, a big piece that we have coming up and uh, we won't share a lot of the details here. We will be bringing more of this uh, information out as we come through the late part of the spring and into the early part of the summer. But we have a, a CLN event that we are planning for at the summit. We'll talk about our, our, right in front of the summit. So just share a little bit about that. Yeah, some is a little shorter this year um, than it has been. It's been moved to toward the end of the week. And so if you can get there a day early and register, we're going to spend from about nine o'clock to four o'clock feeding you with a fire hose and letting you network with some people. And if here's why that's important. You get you're already coming anyway. Um, if you can get there and spend an extra day with 20 or 30, 40 more leaders and find people that you can build relationships with, it's going to, I think, go ahead and integrate you into the conversation in the pipeline. Hopefully we'll be able, and the plan is to go ahead and have some of our leader labs connecting people prior to that. So I would encourage you to join in on that and hear more about that as well. But that day at Summit is going to be geared around specifically pouring into you so you can have something. The biggest thing for a leadership one day is what can I leave here today and go and implement personally and systematically? So I know at the time of this recording, we're getting ready for a leadership one day coming up that will, by the time this recording releases, will be done. We're focusing on a personal conversation, how strategic leaders think. And you're going to be blown away. We did this with my staff and they were like, my gosh, I had no idea that I was thinking like, you know, I was just thinking based on previous experience. I wasn't thinking strategically. So we're spending an hour and a half in the morning on that. And then we'll do some systems conversation, which is organizational leadership. So you get both and and you get to kind of go implement work on yourself take something back to your teams. So that's the goal of a one day that you'd have immediate implementation. And uh, what better time to do it when, you know, than when hundreds of pastors are already coming together. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. We're have uh, hopefully be able to share the specifics of that conversation, maybe even by the time this podcast drops. So yeah. we're, we're excited about that. And I do hope that folks will take time and come um, a day early to, on that Wednesday before the summit. So that'd be on July the 19th. And, uh, 
We'll be in, in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, if you haven't already made plans, I hope you'll make plans to come to the summit overall. Even if you're a bivocational pastor, and we're doing it on the weekend and uh, hope with the hopes that it will make it more available for some folks who are bivocational to be able to connect with the summit this year. Um, so even if you are, are bivocational and you work a full-time job, see if you just can't make it for Friday night and Saturday just to be a part of what's going on there and, and sharing about that. We're going to be talking about you know, leadership development a whole lot more at the summit and this whole conversation around calling. So um, I'm excited to share more about that. So um, Carl, I just want to say thanks for, for joining me on this episode of Doing Together. And uh, I'm looking forward to our continued work together, my friend. Yeah, excited. If anybody has any questions, needs to reach out, reach me at carl at relevantchurch.cc and we can talk more about that. And um, I'm excited to answer any questions or just honestly help anybody along the way to get more connected than we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know you mean that too. Thanks, Danny. Thanks. I want to thank Carl for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you would like more information on the Church Leadership Network, you can go to churchleadership.cc. If you haven't already done so, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are using to access our content, and please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of Doing Together.